Welcome to the Million Vegan Grandmothers podcast. And today I am so grateful to have Barbara Gardner. And Barbara is the founder of Animal Interfaith Alliance. And, you know, I love that you put the word animal first, you know, because that's what you are bringing forth to the world that in order to really live our maybe God code, for lack of a better way of saying it, we need to include all living beings. And the word dominion means caretaker. So to caretake and to serve. Thank you, Barbara, for being here. Thank you for inviting me. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and how your organization got started? Maybe how you became vegan and why? Okay. Um, well, I'm um, I'm Barbara Gardner. <laughs> I live in the UK in the southwest in um, Devon, a place called Ivy Bridge. Um, and I founded with some friends and colleagues uh, the Animal Interfaith Alliance back in 2014. Um, what we felt was that um, most of the faiths had a lot to say about animals, which was positive, which perhaps wasn't being reflected in the uh, practice of today and had been a lot of the teachings have been forgotten. Um, so, for example, the golden rule to treat others as you would wish to be treated yourselves um, comes across for animals as much as humans in, in nearly all the faiths. Um, so we felt that there was a very strong um, need to really uh, communicate some of these uh, um, teachings and make people realise um, what their faiths actually did say about animals, but also that over 80% of the world population claim to belong to a faith of, of one sort or another. Um, so, you know, if you can, you can change their thinking about animals, that could be quite uh, transformative on a, a global level. So we really saw the power of the interfaith movement um, also, there were a number of um, faith-based animal advocacy organisations from each of the faiths, and they're all we're all doing their own separate things very well. But we felt if we could all come together, um, we could be a much stronger voice for animals. Um, so, so that's what we did, and um, we all seem to get on because it's not the differences in our faiths that um, we talk about, it's the things that we agree on, really, which is how we treat animals. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge percentage of our 8 billion humans is 80%, you know, yes. of people mm -hmm. say they belong to a faith of some sort. And so the interfaith of all of us is really about compassion and the golden rule. That's the mainstay. That's the grounding force through all, all religions, all spiritual faiths. And so what do you think the discrepancy is in so many teachings? Is it interpretation? Because I know I studied with Dr. Gabriel Cousins and many other teachers, and it was that it was, it was spelt out very clear. Genesis one twenty nine. you know, I give yes. you every plant and herb. And Dr. Gabriel Cousins says, if you must, if you must, that was, that was the message from God. If there was nothing else, then you were given permission. What happened? What happened in our interpretation? 
I think um, it was largely certain people um, who were powerful in um, the religious movements. Um, an example would be, I think, with, with Christianity. If you look at all the early saints going right up to the time of St. Francis of Assisi in the, the 12th century, um, they all lived with animals. They they were very humble. They A lot of them were hermits. Um, they cared for animals. They shared their homes and their food with them. They rescued them. Um, and then the teaching of the church uh, when uh, Thomas Aquinas came along was that man was dominant, you know, and animals didn't have souls and probably slaves, foreigners and women didn't have souls either. Um, and this was this terrible sort of um, male dominated uh, way of thinking that was based not on, on Jesus's teachings, but on Aristotle. Um, and we all know that Aristotle got quite a few things wrong. <laughs> um, you know, his astronomy wasn't very good, um, and nor was his uh, philosophy. But I think that, for, as an example, saying the Christian faith is is where things, you know, went wrong. Um, and that's been built on ever since uh, the teachings of Thomas Aquinas. Um, but I think encouragingly, you see very much in Pope Francis, um, this new sort of environmental um way of looking at the world care for our common home we're all interconnected and we shouldn't have this tyrannical anthropocentrism um so that i think is encouraging i'm hoping that will help us sort of go back to the um the way the early saints lived you know humble interconnected with nature um so yes i, I hope the tide's turning have you seen the tides turning in your time? So how long have you been vegan? How long has the Animal Interfaith Alliance been in full well, I, fruition? Um, I've been, I, well, I was started um, as a vegetarian, I think, in my early 20s. I wanted to do it as a child, but um, nobody else in my family did. So, of course, as soon as I was living on my own <laughs> or with my husband um, away from my other family you know could do my own cooking I think that's when I became vegetarian and then later sort of realized that actually a lot of the cruelty is not just in the production of meat but in the the dairy industry um, and so later became vegan um, but the Animal Interfaith Alliance started in 2014, so next year will be our 10th anniversary. Um, and we do promote a vegan lifestyle where, um, you know, we, we care for all beings and do no harm. <laughs> mm. Because once you know, you can't not know. And once you know to not act is to still not know. Yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. So how do you feel your faith has increased since you've become vegan? Have you noticed, a, 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 for myself, when I became vegan, I, there were a lot of surprises. I, mm -hmm. I felt so much more connected and I always felt connected to some degree. I was very close to my heart. I, I loved nature. I, I kind of needed to be in nature. I grew up in the bush in the middle of nowhere in Northern Ontario. 
but I had all kinds of other surprises. This, this, this deeper connection with my, my four-legged friend, this ability to hear and see things that I couldn't hear and see before. Tell me what it was like for you. I've always loved nature and, you know, I just love being in nature. I went for a lovely walk today in some woods by a river and I came back and I thought, oh, I feel so refreshed by that. Um, but I think it, it's more than that. I think it's not doing any harm. And I think when you do harm to others, it, it comes back and it's like karma. It comes back on you and you don't feel good about it. Um, I don't feel good, you know, if I've done something even if it's unintentionally maybe I've accidentally trodden on a an insect or something and it's not a good feeling is it um to to have caused harm so I think you feel a lot more comfortable within yourself if you're um you know being at one with other creatures and, and not causing them any pain or suffering do you think that was what was always intended through creation and through our creator is that we would feel as one, that that would be the truth of liberation and one day freedom, true freedom, is that we would know that we're part of everything? I do. Yes, I, I really do. And I think when we we can become so separated from that, you know, we can get so tied up in the real world and not care about, um, about problems. Um, and you you become very unhappy in yourself you become disconnected and i i think that's not how we're supposed to be um i think we're supposed to be at peace with with everybody else um you know human and non-human hmm. it is one of the um largest conversations that i have that is continual with my grandchildren because they're mm -hmm. not being raised vegan and I'm the only vegan in the family. So there's lots of questions always ever since my grandson was about two and a half and he invited me out for a hamburger and I said, I don't eat cows and I don't eat the baby calf milk that belongs to the baby calves. And so I seen the wheels start turning. He was just under three and it took him about two months before he said something to his father. And then his father was a little upset with me. And I said, I, I'm not going to lie to my grandchildren. I'm not going to say anything negative about mm. what you do, but I'm not going to lie to them. I'm going to tell them the truth. And so my son-in-law couldn't argue with this. He loves me. And I, and I try to bring love forth, not judgment. And I'm not perfect, but I figure if I'm going to be a representation of the grandmother energy in my family, that I need to do it in a love-based world. And so it's been a really huge conversation and my grandkids have lived with me for the last month. They've just moved to their own home. They were in between homes. Mm -hmm. And it there was another vegan conversation that happened. And they wanted me to tell them a scary, or they said um, a creepy story. They call it creepy story. Their dad sometimes calls tells them creepy stories. So I started telling them this story about all these forests being cut down, these beautiful rainforests. And so that we could put cows there and we could have grass for the cows and all the animals in the forest were running and trying to find a home and they couldn't find a home and all the baby animals couldn't find a home. And, and, and it was very sad just so people can have steak and hamburgers and that's Oma's creepy story. <laughs> and it wasn't a sci-fi story. It was a story. No, it's a true my, story. Mm -hmm. It's a true story. 
And my granddaughter, she's four, and she looked at me just kind of matter of fact, and she said, Oma, that's why you're vegan. And she understood. And my my grandson, sweet little six-year-old boy, went out and killed a cricket, a grasshopper, and came back to tell me he squished a grasshopper. And that stayed with me for a long time. You know, I had a conversation with him about it, but he's struggling with this, mm-hmm. with this whole thing around that his parents are saying, this is what we do in our family and there's nothing wrong with it. And then the only one person that represents the grandmother energy. So I think that it's very important for us to go forth and to not stop speaking, no matter what's going on around us. And I see that you do this in your animal interfaith alliance, but probably in many, many other circles. And I feel from you, Barbara, you do it with a love-based way of explaining that we all deserve compassion. That is, that is the, that is the spiritual way. That's the faithful way is, you know, so are you the mustard seed in your family? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that my family really listened to me. I think this is often the case. You know, other people might listen, but your family probably doesn't. And like you, most of my family um, are non-vegan. In fact, I'm probably the only one. I almost feel my sort of spiritual family is somewhere else with the people I, I work and connect with. Um And sometimes you see wonderful things from young people who really understand this and that's heartwarming. And then you you see people in your own family, uh, the younger people who don't get it. And you just sort of think, you know, why? Why can't I communicate it? (laughs) Um, We ran them or we sponsored an art competition called the Spirited Arts, um, which is run by an organisation in the UK, a national organisation called the National Association of Teachers for Religious Education. Um, And it's called Spirited Arts because they're supposed to draw or uh, paint or do poetry, make music, uh, dance, anything that's artistic. Um, to a theme, a religious theme, and we wanted animals in there. So this year we jointly sponsored with um, an organisation called Veganism in Education, this arts competition, and we thought, well, you know, get a few entries. Um, We had over 4,000 entries. This is the first year we've, we've done it. And I was so amazed by them. I mean, it wasn't just the standard of the artwork, which was incredible in itself, but the thinking behind it, the philosophy, um, the questioning, the challenging of us older people. It was young. Some of the young people were saying, why are you doing this? Why are you making the climate so bad? You know, why are we chopping down trees so that um, animals can't live there? Um, why aren't we vegan? And why are the 12 year olds the ones that have to sort it out for you? Um, and I just found that so inspiring and encouraging. <laughs> Beautiful. I, you know, Barbara, you're going to be on our next convergence for Climate Healers, October 28th and 29th of this year. You can find that link if you want to join on climatehealers.org under VCOP. So please register if you're listening to this podcast right now. Will you show some of this art 
during that time? That would be beautiful. I could do, yes, yes. I hadn't thought of that. Um, we did a talk at the Parliament of the World Religions, um, and I think we were going to give that talk again, but I could certainly extend it to include the artwork because it is, um, it's lovely to see. That's beautiful. Yes, yes. We'd love to see some of that art, just a quick little, yeah. And how, what age group? What's the art? Um, it starts with the four-year-olds and goes all the way up to uh, 18. So we have quite a range. Um, but even with the four-year-olds, some of the thinking, you know, the questioning and, um, you know, the philosophy behind what they're doing is really quite remarkable. Oh, that would be so beautiful to, <laughs> to share that because, you know, Children express a lot through art and even, even their, well, I know for me, art and poetry has been a way to express myself without judgment, to just say what's deep within and, and letting the divine speak through, you know, it's just a gift letting the divine speak through us in that way. Yes. So what was it like at the Parliament of World Religions? You know, I, I'm I'm assuming they were serving animal products and were a lot of the religions not plant-based, not vegan. What was going on there? Well, was it? it was in it was interesting. It there were over seven thousand delegates there. Um, and a lot of the food included meat. Um, and we I was working with um other people in the US, um, some lovely people from the Interfaith Vegan Coalition, um, Silesh from uh, Climate Healers, and um, the Compassion Consortium as well. And um, we were trying to get animals on their agenda. And to be fair to the Parliament, they um, gave us all speaking slots. So that was good. Um, in terms of the food, the Sikh community um, from Chicago was serving food, which actually to try and feed that many people, I have to say, is very, very impressive. Uh, it was vegetarian, but not vegan. Um, so we did speak to them about that and just, you know, said, well, you know, we need to think about how the cows are treated um, and the, the chickens that produce the eggs. And I think I mean, we have one wonderful um, Hindu speaker who was a vegan and he put, I mean, he made it quite clear that in the past um, there wasn't the cruelty in the dairy industry. So a lot of these faiths are vegetarian, but not vegan. And he really put the case as to how um, things have changed with uh, intensive animal agriculture and how there is so much cruelty now in um, the dairy industry that there hadn't been in you know historic times um, so I think you know that message was starting to get through to people um, I do think people very often carry on doing what they've been taught to do um, without thinking about what it is they are doing and have things changed um, since their tradition started. And I think that's that needs to be raised and um, thought about. 
Yeah. Well, you know, my son went off to school this, my grandson went off to school this year and he was living with me at the time and he had been there only two days and then it was Monday again. And, and he said to his mom, I wish it was Friday. And, and I, my heart was really broken. I was like, because he's being sent off to an institution that's primarily teaching how to follow orders. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's what people have learned to be really good at, you know, sometimes parents are really great at allowing children to express themselves and to lead them, lead the parents into living a life of more spontaneous joy and non-causal joy and love. But often we have to fit into a box, into a timeline. And in the school system, until it's completely revised, most of us are just learning to follow orders. So we're really good followers. We're really, really good at following orders, the majority of people. So to step out of that box and then to alienate ourselves often from our family and from an entire society. I was just having this conversation with my partner when we were out walking in the River Valley last night. He was talking about he works at a university. He's a Ph.D., um, supports the students in in their higher writings of, of Ph.D. or um master's level students and he said I feel very alienated in this university setting with what's going on with with what's the focus is and what the focus isn't and it's and so much of what's being taught is to take the focus off of really what we should be putting the focus on and distracting us. We live in a very distracted world. And if we can put all the focus here, then we don't have to put the focus there. And so what we're doing, so as the grandmothers, what we're doing is we're hoping as the million vegan grandmothers to bring the focus back to the elders and the wisdom. Because I truly believe that if the grandmothers in every culture went vegan, <laughs> The family would have to follow suit. They would need to say, because in many cultures, maybe not in mine, but in many cultures, the grandmothers are held in very high esteem and they are the head of the household in many cultures. And so it's very important for us grandmothers to support this change and to wake up. Because I think that, like you said, a lot of times, and, and Judy Carmen, my beautiful friend, Judy Carmen, who wrote Omo Hansat, who's also a grandmother, said, it's really important that we let the young people know there's been lots of us grandmothers before them that have been working at this and grandfathers and elders that have been working at this for a very long time. You know, my teacher, Dr. Gabriel Cousins, Rabbi Cousins has been vegan since the seventies and same with Judy and Will. I mean, they, it's been 40 years for them, maybe since 40 over, maybe 50 years for Judy. Um, you know, Freya uh, Densha was, was a grandmother that we interviewed uh, on the million vegan grandmothers. And, and she was, you know, when Vega, when Vega vegan was first coined, when they used to think we were from the planet Vega or something, but <laughs> anyways, it's really important that the young people know there's been lots of people that have been really trailblazing for them and setting up, setting up the foundation of the golden rule for all beings, for all beings. Yeah. So not just human centric, but all beings. 
Any final words, Barbara? How can the grandmothers support um, the Alliance, the Animal Interfaith Alliance? And what do you what do you vision for the world that we're creating? Us us wiser and maybe a little bit older before before our time's up here. Well, we our vision is for a peaceful world where we all live in harmony and we don't harm any sentient being. Um, and we, you know, we long for that to to happen. Um, and where the actual the main teachings of the faiths, the original teachings, are actually lived out. I mean, as you quoted earlier about Genesis, um, we were given a vegan diet. You know, we lived in harmony with the animals in the garden, and we ate the, the fruits of the trees. Um, and we need to get back to that and. Uh, people have been crying out. I mean, the Jain religion, for example, um, they're so so true on that, all about ahimsa and non-harming. Um, we need to get back to that. Um, that that's our vision. <laughs> and we hope that um, by spreading the word, we can be a small part of that change. Um, and I know so many other organisations and individuals are working for the same thing. So we'd try to work with them um certainly we're not in competition with them um and i think the more we all pull together the stronger we'll be i believe it's happening i i i was part of 22 women um internationally that pray on the 22nd of every month for world peace and and the two two sides of peace the seizing of war but also the awakening of humanity the the peace that comes from the the coming together the the oneness of 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 the world and really understanding that and there were so many tears shed today at the end of international uh the week of peace and they all said the same thing they could feel their ancestors supporting them now more than ever. They could feel the vortexes and the people coming together from every direction, that they can feel the grandmothers. They can feel the wisdom of the grandmothers and the support of the grandmothers. And they do believe, they do believe this is the time of the great awakening. And so that gives me great strength but also it gives me a sense of connected in and strength because us women have been working very, very hard our whole life to bring care and love to the world. Even before we are vegan, there's, there's a huge, there's a huge role that women have played in our world that has been really undervalued for a very long time. And the feminine divine is the only thing, the only way home and it will be with the grandmothers gathering together as the council and saying this is the direction we're heading in this is a love-based golden rule inclusive peaceful world and we will tolerate nothing else nothing else we will only support the love and care of the grandchildren of all species and their homes and we will protect their homes and their beingness. So thank you, Barbara, for doing that. For so many of us who are doing our part, as you do, 
your part in this very wonderful organization that you co-founded and that you, um, that you give so much of yourself. So thank you for that. Thank you as well. I mean, I think you do marvellous work with the vegan grandmothers and it's a, a wonderful concept um, and so true, you know, the, what the grandmothers can teach is um, beyond compare. <laughs> so uh, well, thank you very much for all you do. And thank you for being part of our convergence. So again, October 28th and 29th, please join Climate Healers for our next convergence. And it's gonna be called the Sea of Change. So maybe Barbara will have some art that she can just share from some of the students. Maybe they did something in regards to the sea. And maybe where Christians need to refocus is what the fish really means as a Christian. It doesn't mean to trick them and hook them and net them and take away their babies, it means to let them swim free so that we're all free. So thank you everyone for being here. And thank you for being part of the Million Vegan Grandmothers podcast. And thank you for listening. <laughs>